Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Allie, I know that you are really open and vulnerable about sharing your mental health experiences as a therapist, like we do on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, But today, we are going to hear from Courtney, who had a similar experience that you had, and that is a panic attack while in a therapy session with a client. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that is one of the stories I have on my list to share on the podcast. Catherine and I have a long list of our bad therapist stories. So that will come eventually. But we do talk about it a bit today where, yes, Courtney had a panic attack in session. I had that happen on my very first day of my very first job in my career as a therapist and literally almost quit my job. So stay tuned for that story. But it is relatable. Like for those of us who have anxiety, I'm also super open. I have ADHD as a woman and as a therapist and how it impacts me. Um, But there's almost this stigma sometimes, right? That as therapists, we need to have our shit together, that we're not allowed to have any issues with our mental health because then how could we help people? So this story is so valuable to just normalize, again, our humanness, that it's okay for us to have our own mental health challenges and they happen. So we're going to hear from Courtney. And before we do, this is just a reminder that this episode is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not a substitute for therapy itself, clinical consultation, or ethical guidance. All right. And this is episode number 33 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Courtney, welcome to Am I a Bad Therapist? We're so happy to have you here. Thank you, guys. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Before we get in to your story today, can you share a little bit about yourself um, for our listeners? Sure. Um, yeah. So my name is uh, Dr. Courtney Crisp. Um, I am an almost licensed clinical psychologist. So I just I've done all my hours now. States approved them. I just need to pass those two pesky tests. So um, oh. hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get there, get there soon. Yeah, I'm studying. I also have a one-year-old. Um, so uh, yeah, just trying to study for these licensing exams while having a having a young child. Um, yeah, what else? So I work for I work for a major medical center in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I see pretty much exclusively now um, patients with eating disorders in an outpatient setting. Um, and I do some hospital work too. Um, and then on the side, I also, my undergrad degree was actually in English and I love writing. So I do freelance writing and editing 
And this is new. Um, I'm the editor of The Feminist Psychologist, which is the newsletter for APA Division 35, which is ah. uh, the... Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, That's I really know exciting. Division 35. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's new. A little imposter syndrome, to be honest, but um, it's yeah, it's been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. awesome. So well, many We projects. are really grateful to have you, to have the editor of Division 13's oh, newsletter no. with us on Am I a Bad Therapist? Oh, no. <laughs> Thank so, you. Thank you, guys. So, Courtney, you have a lot going on. Best of luck with the EPPP. Been there, done that. And <laughs> thank you. Thank it's you. A, it's a beast, but it is a rite of passage. And <laughs> so, tell us what happened in your career that made you wonder, "Am I a bad therapist?" Yeah. So this was, um, so this was year two of my doctoral program. Um, so I went to a post master's doctoral program, which meant that, like. It was three years of school and one year of internship. And I would say like the three years of school were like very fast paced and very condensed because you were kind of getting through things faster, which was nice on the one hand because it was less tuition, but also it was just it was just very fast paced. Um, uh, So this was year two, which is kind of known as the most stressful year. Um, And there's this big test called the comprehensive exams, which like has all this like hype around it. And everyone's like, oh, God, it's like. I know. I remember I had a supervisor say, like, I've given birth and the comp exams are still the hardest thing I've ever done oh in my, my life. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just a lot of hype. It's like almost I'm not gonna like, lie. Hey. I might agree with that statement. Comps were <laughs> really awful. And I've done two natural births. <laughs> oh, maybe that's a little TMI. But my comps were awful. Oh, no. To, to be honest, in hindsight, I think um, I think my uh, I might agree, too. <laughs> <laughs> Not to scare anybody coming up. Now I feel bad. I'm perpetuating it. But yeah, it was it was not fun. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was preparing for that, uh, which was a nightmare. I was also, um, so I was commuting from San Diego to L.A. My grad program oh, was wow. in L.A. Oof. I know. It, yeah. I always say, like, people are like, why did you do that? And honestly, it was it was partly because I was too stubborn to move, but also part, <laughs> also partly because my husband like had his career in San Diego and it just didn't make sense for him to move and practicums change every year. And I was trying to get practicums in San Diego, Norwich County. Um, so yeah, so I was commuting and we had these comp exams and classes were just harder. You know, you were in like advanced assessment and writing these like 40 page reports and, and my, my, um, yeah. And then kind of throughout all of that. Um, oh, I forgot this too. And then I, my, my first external practicum, uh, I went from having like no experiment experience with SMI or like severe mental illness to working in this like very intense, like psychiatric ICU. Um, so that was just, that was just a lot. That was like baptism by fire for mm-hmm. SMI. Um, it was a lot, uh, which I ended up actually really enjoying it, but the, the first few months were very difficult. So and through, through all of this, I was still seeing patients um, in our like uh, Pepperdine outpatient um, community mental health clinic. Um, and I was seeing them. To be honest, I probably shouldn't have done this looking back. It was very stressful. I would like work at the psych hospital and then drive and see a few patients at night. Like, um, And so I remember I was sitting there and I was listening to this one patient um, I was listening to him talk and I was just, I was trying like so hard to be mindful, but I was just thinking about like all these stresses I had coming up. Um, I was like, you know, preparing for these 
comp exams and I was, um, you know, I was exhausted because I just driven from San Diego to LA and like it says it's an like San Diego to LA, no traffic is like an hour, 45 minutes, but there's always traffic. Yeah. So it could be, yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, the, I, I would try to avoid the worst times, but you know, the honestly, the worst it's ever been in like a rainstorm was like, I want to say like four and a half hours. It was oh really bad. Gosh. Yeah. It was, it was brutal. Um, so I just driven from San Diego to LA and I was, I think I had like a full 12 hour day of class the next day. Um, yeah. And then I was, I was sitting there and I was just like, and I was just like, Oh my God, like I, I can't breathe. Like, I don't think I can breathe right now. Like, and you're sitting with um, the patient. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting with wow. the patient. And I was just like, I, I was like, I can't, I was like, I think I, I think I'm having a panic attack right now in session. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But That's here so you scary. are, you have an, in, a, a, an unprecedented amount of stressors <laughs> happening. And what year was this? <laughs> this was pre-COVID actually. So pre-COVID. So we're getting, yeah. <laughs> so you're, this is your lead up to COVID. Ah, that bodes really well. <laughs> Your lead up to COVID was commuting two to four hours to school from San Diego to LA, not only working at a severe mental health facility, but then also seeing additional clients in the evenings after you've worked or had a full day of classes at the outpatient clinic. And can you tell us about this patient you were sitting with when you suddenly, you know, started to feel what I would assume like your chest tight, chest tighten and like difficulty breathing? Yeah, sure. So, um, I, yeah, so this is my second year. So the, the first year, um, uh, that was when I was my, my primary site was that, um, outpatient community health or community mental health clinic. And I saw maybe like four or five patients there. And just the next year I, I, I kept seeing those patients. Um, so yeah, so this was a patient I'd been seeing for about a year. Um, I think I ended up seeing him for maybe three years. Um, yeah, we had, I mean, at this point we've been seeing each other about a year. We had really good rapport. Um, you know, I want to say I'm trying, it's funny. I'm trying to remember, like what that specific session was about. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't think it was any, I don't think it was, it was like an intense trauma or anything. I think it was, um, uh, I don't want to say kind of like your average session, but I, I think it was kind of just like an average session for us and him. And I was kind of feeling in the writ. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's a weird, Thing, being a therapist I remember talking about this in grad school you kind of have this ability to like multi-track where like you're you're li you're listening to the patient and you're really present but then at the same time you're kind of thinking about like okay what am I gonna say next what am I gonna um mm -hmm. and I think you know looking back I was just very much in that headspace I was having a hard time um yeah but anyway um yeah so I, I can't remember exactly the content of the session but um I just remember this was a patient I felt really comfortable around and um, we had good rapport and we were doing really good work together. Um, so, so, yeah. Interestingly enough, this was a, this was a patient you had a longstanding rapport, super comfortable. <sighs> and when you started to feel the tightening of your chest and difficulty breathing, you can look back and say, it wasn't something that happened in the session that triggered that. No. Would you no, agree? No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't any yeah. content or anything like that. So this was literally you just 
getting overwhelmed by everything happening in your life and it hit you while sitting with a patient, huh? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what happened next then? Again, like we said, we're recapping, started to feel like that realization of like, I can't breathe. Um, actually, if you don't mind me asking, if this isn't too personal. Had you had a panic attack before, like in your life? Yeah, uh, okay. I was actually gonna say that. Yeah. So no, panic attacks are not not new to me. Um, I yeah, I've been having them since I was like twelve, maybe. Um, yeah. So you know, on and off. Um, I don't I don't have them all the time. I would say mm-hmm. they kind of come in waves for me. Um, when I'm going through like more stressful periods. Um, I also tend to get them. (laughs) It's uh, just like in, in opportune places, which makes sense looking Mm -hmm. back. But I remember Mm -hmm. my first really Mm -hmm. bad one in high school was in the middle of a basketball game. Um, which was just great. Just very convenient. (laughs) Like when I, (laughs) when I was, I was playing basketball, like, and I, you know, had that same feeling of not being able to breathe and heart racing and all of that. So, um, yeah, so no, I've been dealing with them on and off for a long time. Um, and I think uh but yeah, no, I'd never they'd never um affected work before. I think um yeah, I, I had them I had them when I played sports sometimes. Um and then I had them I, I had them sometimes when I was in like large crowds too. Mm-hmm. Um mm. yeah, so it tended to be this makes sense looking back. I actually hadn't made this connection before. It it tended to be in situations where like I felt like pressure in some way, like I couldn't just leave, you know, like yeah. it was like a large, yeah, like a lot, like class. Um, yeah. Sometimes I would get them or like, yeah, when I was playing a basketball game or mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I used to get them when I was at church sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was something where I felt some kind of social pressure or mm-hmm other kinds of pressures just situational where I, yeah. I just I couldn't leave the situation couldn't easily escape. yeah yeah you yeah. knew the signs which sometimes it's like I mean I wouldn't want to have my first panic attack in a session but I feel like it almost <laughs> works sometimes when you know it's coming and you're like oh my god this is yeah. happening this is happening it's yeah. probably gonna happen so you're having that realization right. I can't breathe I'm probably having a panic attack what did you do next to navigate the session yeah, well, I was like, I remember, I remember looking at the clock and I was like, okay, I've got 20 minutes left. So I was like, I just need to get through these 20 minutes. Um, and I was just like, I was like, okay, I just, so I just did, you know, in that moment, I was like, okay, let me just do everything I can to like ground myself physically. So I was, you know, I always have like my little, my little water with me. So I was kind of drinking water. Um, and I was like touching kind of my fingertips and I was just trying to, uh, mentally ground myself while at the same time like being a therapist in this Mm -hmm. session let's pause here for an ad break are you looking to incorporate more creativity into your clinical practice but don't know where to start as a registered art therapist i truly believe that every clinician can utilize creativity in what they do i absolutely love offering consultation and supervision to share with clinicians how to ethically incorporate therapeutic art making into their clinical practice I focus on easy and simple interventions with very little prep work for you and your clients. Visit www.cccs.care to learn more. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Are clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network. 
for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. And now let's circle back to the show. Yeah, when you get panic attacks, it it uh, for me, I've been someone who kind of really fixates on the symptoms like, oh, my God, I can't breathe. Oh, my God, what if I pass out? Oh, my God, what if, you know, mm-hmm. and then you can really spiral that way. Um, so I just really tried as much as I could to, like, not focus on that stuff and to, um, like, ground myself physically as much as I could um, and try to try to, um, like, look around the room, see what I could observe, mm-hmm. just just grounding myself as much as I could. But I, I mean, I didn't feel good. And, um, and I didn't. Um, yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what if like, like, what if the patient like client, <laughs> I work in a hospital now, so I'm like patient. Um, what if the client like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what if he, yeah. What if he sees what's happening? What if like, you know, and I just remember thinking like, I just already having like so much imposter syndrome at this stage, Mm -hmm. you know, this was like second year Mm -hmm. of grad school and, um, and like coming up before this process in, uh, in these comp exams of like, will I be good enough? Will I make it? Like, this is like, you know, the first really big clinical test. And then you're like, I can't even like get through a session without having a panic attack, you know? So it's like all it's yeah, not, not great. So this is incredible. So, and I guarantee you, like once we, once this episode airs and if you are listening and this has happened to you, (laughs) send us a message on Instagram. Like this is so, I don't want to say common, but it happens and it's not really talked about, right? Um, Our own mental health in sessions doesn't get brought up a lot unless we're in, unless we're lucky enough to have that intimate consultation group where we feel safe enough to talk about. So I give you so much kudos for coming on the show today to talk about it. And I cannot wait to hear other people's experiences too of, of their own mental health showing up in the session. But going back to your experience, do you think the client or patient picked up on it? Do you think it changed the session? What was the last 20 minutes like for the client, do you think? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, you know, so I watched, so this was a setting where we recorded ourselves. Um, and I, so I wa- wow. actually did, yeah, <laughs> which, which was kind of helpful in a way. Cause then I, so I actually ended up watching it back. Yeah. Um, just to see if you could tell. And the crazy thing was you couldn't really tell. Like mm. I, I, I showed it to my supervisor and you, you, you know, it was a, it was a very like internal experience, I think. So you couldn't really tell what was happening. I mean, if, if he was paying really close attention, he, he probably would have observed that I was like quieter and or more fidgety, but, um, uh, but you couldn't, yeah, you couldn't really tell what was happening, which w- for me was reassuring. Cause I was like, okay, mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though I was having this like really intense, like internal experience, like from the outside, you can't, you couldn't really tell what was happening. So, so, um, yeah, uh, I kind of was able to take solace in that moving forward that even, you know, if I'm feeling really anxious and not great internally, like, um, uh, I was able to kind of still project that like calm, calm therapist aura. So what a great opportunity to fact check 
Like yeah. so many of us don't have our panic attacks on film, <laughs> right? So you were able to go back and actually when you, when you have calmed your body and brain down and you were able to go back and look, you're able to look objectively and say, I had a really horrible internal experience, but my fears that this was going to derail the session or that the client was going to figure it out or it's going to be a bad experience to the client, like all of those fears that could exacerbate panic of the consequences yeah. of having panic, you were able to look back and say, none of that happened. And it was really difficult to to tell, to discern that I was having a panic attack. I hope people listening who are afraid of having <laughs> panic attacks listen to this point, right? Yeah. It's not the end yeah, of the world. And a yeah. lot of times people don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, yeah, I, I showed my, I, I had a really good relationship with my supervisor at the time. Um, I still do. I still text her all the time. Shout out to Dr. Cohen. Um, but yes, and she, we watched together and she's like, yeah, no, I wouldn't have been able to tell if you didn't, um, if you didn't, uh, if you hadn't pointed that out. So that was, that was really helpful. But, and then too, but I will say like for any, anybody with anxiety, then, then the train of thought becomes, okay, well that was that time. Like, what if like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what if it's worse next time? And then you, you lose control of your body, yada, yada, yada. So, um, yeah. And I don't know what helped me with, with like that kind of train of thought was like, okay, let's, let's think like worst case, if you were to have like some kind of physical meltdown in session as a therapist like what if you had the stomach flu and you threw up right like the patient would understand you would end Mm -hmm. session and life would go on and it would be okay so I was like you know if something like that happens that's what would happen you know they would you wouldn't have to tell them specifics you could just tell them like you're I don't know having some kind of situation and and then life would go on and it would be okay so I kind of I kind of had that in the back of my head as like a worst case scenario. And I really, yeah, again, kind of tried to fact check that of being like, okay, if this is the worst case that happens, like we'll get through it. Um, so that made me feel a little bit better too. Of like, okay, like you're <laughs> allowed to be human. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I do yeah. have to share um, for like Catherine, you were saying people have experiences and this is a story on my list that I'm going to share on the podcast. I have had a panic attack in session oh, and it was wow. my very first day of my job in my career. Wow. So that needs to be another episode. It's on the list. So we'll (laughs) talk about it. So definitely like, and I'm thinking of how I felt in that moment. And I genuinely was like, I'm a bad therapist. I can't be a therapist. I can't do this. Like this is my first day, right? Or like happening on the job. It makes us feel like we can't do it because of our own mental health. So I'm wondering like, what were those other thoughts that were? I'm so happy you were doing kind of like that fact checking and rationalization and all of those things. But what were some of the other thoughts like after the session or even during the session mm-hmm. going through your mind? Yeah, no, absolutely. I was, um, yeah, I was just having a lot of those thoughts of like, I can't, um, you know, how can I be a therapist if I can't like manage my own mental health right now, right? Or like, I can't, um, stop myself from having a panic attack or I can't, um, you know, like how, how, like, how am I going to be a therapist? And it's so hard because I actually, I feel like now being out in a job, like with a really supportive team, I actually feel like our team is a lot more open and transparent about their mental health. And like, it's more okay to like share things like at least with each other. I think when you share with clients or patients, it's, um, you think it through a little bit more, but I feel like the, the tone is more open now, but I just remember in grad school, there was almost, there was just so much this tone of like, you have to like, you just really have to have all your, um, can I cut? Oh yeah. Can I, 
okay, you just have to have your shit together, you know? <laughs> like, you can't, you can't, like, be human. Like, you have to, yeah. um, yeah, Polished. you have to, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, I think it's hard because I think some of that is, is good and is necessary because you, I mean, you need to kind of learn how to be a therapist, you know, but at the same time, I think it creates this like, um, yeah, it creates this like sense that like, you're not allowed to be human and you're not allowed to, um, you know, be having your own issues. Like at grad school for me, like at times just really felt like, you know, your life and who you are as a person and your spouse and your spouse's job and where you live and where you want to live for internship. Like none of that matters. All that matters is that like you keep marching in line, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Definitely. And it, I mean, I feel like that comes up so much for us on the podcast. Like it's like a thread of, or even feedback we get from us. A lot of students say like, it feels like there is this expectation, right? Like we talk about kind of being that blank slate, all of these things. And I agree with you. Well, some pieces of that, you know, are valid, of course, but I agree that now it feels like we do have to be more human. And I think it makes it more relatable for clients too. Like when we have some transparency and, you know, openness and things like that, because it's not just that intimidation of like, I'm sitting across from this person and, you know, whatever expectations come with that from a client, but being like, we're humans too. There's no expectation Mm -hmm. of perfection. And if we don't model that, how can we continue to give that message? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I think that's so important. And I mean, I just I appreciate so much the work you guys are doing. Like I've been telling other people like I, I so wish this podcast was around when I was in grad school because I think it it normalizes yeah. so much of um, yeah, so much of the dilemmas and the thoughts therapists have. And, you know, yeah, I mean, for me, one big thought was like, oh, my God, like, like, can I handle this? You know, like, can yeah. I handle being a therapist? And I think the reality that like is not talked about enough is that like, mental health clinicians have a really high burnout rate and the rate, the work we do is really tough. And, um, I don't know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's normal to have reactions to that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not, um, it doesn't make you weird or it doesn't make you a bad therapist to, to have reactions to the, um, uh, very rewarding, but also very challenging work we do every day. Yeah. I'm just set up better myself. And, you know, <laughs> just to close us out with a question we ask all of our guests, if if you had a clinician, maybe newly minted or new to grad school, um, sitting in front of you, um, sharing that they had a panic attack or, or asking for advice of having a panic attack in session, what would you tell them? Oh, gosh. Um, Yeah. No, I would just tell them, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's okay to have our own mental health challenges and, um, uh, mindfulness is really helpful. (laughs) That was helpful for me personally. Um, but yeah, that, you know, you can't, uh, you know, for me, my experience was like, you can't, put everything else before your own well-being, you know, because eventually that's that's going to catch up with you. Um, like it might it might work in the short term to put school and your clients and, um, you know, everything else before your well-being. But eventually that's that's going to catch up with you. So you really need to, um, you know, I hate the term self-care because I feel like that. I mean, it's helpful, but I feel like it kind of puts it on the individual when I think there are so many legit systemic challenges. But yeah, but I think at the same time, like, really taking care of yourself can be a radical act in a way if like the system is one that's like, you know, doesn't, doesn't like want that per se or doesn't allow for that. So I think, you know, you just really have to 
know that like there's um there will always be more like work and more clients but like there's only one you and you really need to like do what you need to do to take care of yourself you know and I think that can look really different for different people Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Oh my gosh. I can already tell. We pull quotes for every episode for anyone who follows us on Instagram. I already know that's getting pulled for a quote. Well said. Amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Chris, well, Courtney, thank you so much for sharing this story. Um, if anyone wants to connect with you outside of the podcast, where can they find you? Yeah, just I I um I'm on Instagram um at Dr. Courtney Crisp, um, both with C's. Um, yeah, so she's a new account, but she's she's growing. I'm trying. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm on there. I'm on LinkedIn too. I'm actually pretty active on LinkedIn. So you can feel free to find me there too, if you want. Yeah. We will link those in the show notes. Thank you so much, Courtney, for being vulnerable and sharing your experience. I know that this is going to really help a lot of clinicians out there, you know, both veteran and new clinicians, um, normalizing our mental health in the therapy room when we are the therapist. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me. And that's it. The OG bad therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at air effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.